Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ziad Parker Show. And today with me, I have uh, one of my good friends, Stephen Gabriel. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, pleasure to be here. Always so, up for a bit of banter. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to this actually. So, for those of you, well, I'm sure most of you have been following the Michael Jordan docu series, uh, The Last Dance. For those of you that haven't been following it, uh, it might be a good idea for you to turn off now if you have any, any, um, you know, any reason to watch it. If you're not going to be watching it, you might as well listen to, to what we're going to be talking about. So a little bit of a spoiler alert there. But yeah, so I mean, the series started five weeks ago and it's been two episodes every Sunday in a 10-part series looking at the, basically Michael Jordan's last season for the Chicago Bulls. And it's it's been quite interesting. And, you know, that's where Stephen and I got chatting a bit after each uh, set of episodes, a bit of our reaction. So we thought, you know what, let's uh, let's get it on the show. So, Stevie, if you look at the, the 10 episodes, the entire series, what, what type of impression did it give you of Jordan? Because obviously we both didn't grow up in the Jordan era. Yeah, definitely. Um... I think it, it kind of cemented or basically highlighted again the, the the intensity that Michael Jordan played with, what his mindset was, his approach to the game. Um, I think the closest thing that we had to that would have been Kobe Bryant, you know, the whole Mamba mentality and, you know, that yeah. everyone knows that Kobe Bryant has basically murdered his career off of Michael Jordan. So coming in with that same intensity, um, I think that, that, that was highlighted and cemented uh, in the in the documentary again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite interesting you say that because I think that's also one of the things that that stands out for me is just the intensity and the willing to win at all costs. And I mean, if you take one thing away from the entire series, is that no matter what he had to do, yeah. he was going to do it to win. He was a win at all costs type of guy, and I I think that's very very clear when you're watching the series and. You know, with Kobe also, I think Kobe picked up a lot from it. And obviously, when with Kobe passing away this year, Jordan spoke at his, uh, it was the memorial. Yeah, it was the memorial. And uh, Jordan basically said that the piece of him died with Kobe because mm-hmm. they were that close. And I suppose, you know, if you look at the type of people they were, they were probably drawn to each other by that competitive nature and that uh, their willingness to win. And in one Definitely. of the episodes, I think it's episode three or four, where they go through um, the All-Star game, where it's Kobe's first All-Star game. <laughs> yeah. And essentially Jordan's last. Yeah, yeah. And, and Kobe says, I'm going to guard him or I'm going to go at him one-on-one. Yeah, and yeah. It's I quite, think a, quite a nice interchange there. Between the two of them. I think in, the, in that episode as well, in the locker room before the game, uh, Jordan also, he actually mentions that that Lakers boy is just going to take everyone one-on-one. Um, he's going to he's gonna try and go and get the game, not wait for the game to come to him. And that's, yeah. that's, that's something your coaches always tell you, like when you're, when you're out there playing, be patient, relax, do the little things and wait for the game to come to you. Um, so it's interesting for Michael Jordan to actually say something like that um, based off a player who we consider to be very similar to his style of play. Um, yeah. Also, like you mentioned, the, the win at all cost things. Um, Definitely wasn't the best teammate, but what do you consider a good teammate? Someone who's going to pull you along to victory or someone who you're going to go drink a beer with or smoke a cigar with after the game? 
Um, it depends where your priorities lie, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's actually an interesting point. Uh, the whole teammate thing, and you know, there were guys that were coming out in the media before the series aired that, you know, you're going to see Jordan in a way that you're not really going to like him afterwards. Or people were saying during the, you know, during the past four or five weeks that he's not a good teammate, he was a bully and so on. But if you ask the guys who played with him, their opinions, and I mean, you get a lot of opinions of Steve Kerr, uh, John Paxson, Ron Harper, all these guys that played with him, BJ Armstrong, and and the infamous Scott Burrell, who we like to pick on yeah. <laughs> uh, quite a bit. But all those guys, basically, the key message from them is that they had to earn his respect, and once they did it, it was fine. There was, was no fine. issues. Also, you know, Jordan the, says it himself. Another way of looking, another way of looking at it could be that he he wanted to bring out the best in them, um, and to do that, then you need to be uncomfortable. You need to have someone coming at you. Um, I mean, we 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 were speaking about the NBA inside stuff, and Carl Malone mentioned that he's become the player that he is because of having to go up against the Pistons, having to go up against Patrick Ewing and the New York Knicks, and that constant competition. You know what? Um, what's the saying? Steel sharp and steel. Um, so maybe yeah. that's the that's the kind of mentality Michael Jordan wanted to have in practice as well. Um, you also got to. Yeah. You always hear people say practice at an intensity that makes the game easier. So maybe that's another yeah. way he was coming at it. So I think when all was said and done, maybe he had good intentions, but it didn't go about it the best way. But if you ask me, someone who goes to the final six times and wins six times, um, I wouldn't mind him to be my teammate. Yeah. Or having him as and I mean, a teammate. Who, on, what, on what basis is it not the best way? I mean, that's open to interpretation, right? If, if you did it and you won, then clearly it was the best way for that group or that time. Now At things are time, different, yeah. obviously, where I think nowadays everybody's default position is to be offended by something. So yeah. you couldn't walk around pushing people and, and you know, going on like, like he did. But, I mean, that was a different time. That was the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. It was a, where, it was a different era of basketball as well. The, the game was played completely yeah. differently. Um, it was a lot more, more physical. Um, you, there was the besides the the Michael Jordan rules, which I'm sure we'll speak about. There was a, a no layup <laughs> rule. There was a no layup rule. Yeah. You couldn't come down the lane and do a finger roll. You know, so there, there was yeah. there was a six ten seven footer waiting for you, and he's gonna hack you or smack you down. And yeah, the game has definitely progressed from that hard nose style of basketball to a bit more what's the term, aesthetic or pleasing on the eye, um, a bit more, a bit more showmanship. Yeah, it's a bit more spectator driven now. I mean, it's all about entertainment and Definitely. I think before it was entertaining, but in a different way, like, you know, I, I actually like that abrasive style, you know, there's a bit of an edge, there's, there's a real competition, man, where I feel now sometimes because these guys grow up playing together, I mean, they're playing AAU ball together, they're playing on all these teams in summer camps, and, you know, by the time they actually get to the NBA, they've been teammates already at some point. And I think also now the league moves, players move a lot more than they moved before. So there's a bit of a friendlier atmosphere between the guys. There's competition. Like, I mean, no doubt when, when CP3 gets on the court with LeBron, he wants to win. Yeah. There's no, you know, you're my friend, I'm going to let you buy. There's none of that. But 
there isn't like that real edge, man. You know, nowadays with that massive rivalry or, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down type of thing. Yeah, I think, and I mean, they, they play the same amount of games, but I think that's, that's also one of the reasons, even as a, as a basketball fan myself, I only really start following the NBA when it's the playoffs. So, like, yeah. maybe a month before the playoffs, just to check the seedings, to see who might play, who check the matchups. I'll keep tabs on it here and there, but once it becomes, once the playoffs start, and maybe the months before that, that's when I really start, you know, making an effort to to wake up and watch those games. Um, just yeah. because playoff intensity is completely different. I mean, you don't want to, yeah. no one really wants to watch the the New York Knicks up against, you know, Boston Celtics. It's it's a, it's going to be a blowout. It's, it's a team yeah. that's probably tanking to get a good draft pick. Um, yeah. that's not something that's really entertaining to watch so yeah like you say the edge has been lost a bit yeah I don't think they did that in previous previous years as much though you know the tanking thing and mm-hmm. the, the whole analytics movement so it makes more sense to do something there's load management there's you know we're going to take a pass on this game because it's the second night of a back to back or yeah. you know we're playing four games in three days whatever the case is whereas before I think every game was your best guys go out and they play to win every single game where yeah. you can almost say nowadays, sometimes teams go out and then they're not interested in winning. They're just there to, you know, to, 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 fold the the, numbers. to fold the stat sheet and make up the numbers and get the, the, the MVP, the MVP numbers up again. So, um, yeah, I, I, I probably definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. So, Speaking of, of that year of, of basketball, just to, I mean, they don't go too much in, in detail with the early years of Jordan. So his high school and his uh, college career, there is some information, but not too much. But I think something that stood out for me in that segment was that his coach actually encouraged him to leave. Now, more mm-hmm. often than not, a coach is going to try and keep his best players because he needs those guys to get him good results so he can keep his job or, you know. Yeah. his bonus or whatever the case is but Dean Smith actually encouraged him to leave and I think that was that was actually quite instrumental in getting him into the league as early as possible I mean he was ready but he, yeah, it's actually it's it's funny that you say that now eh? because in modern college basketball in NCAA you have the, the one in Daniel so um, yeah. you find guys you find coaches actually willing to let players go after one year because I imagine that the, the the university gets quite a large sum of money if, you know, like your Dukes and your Kentuckys um, that are notorious yeah. for producing first round NBA picks. If you if you have an Anthony Davis and he's going first round, you let him go after one year. I'm sure that some some way some some way or other the the, the institution and maybe the coach makes some form of um, income off that or generate some some income off yeah. that. Um, whereas I think back then it was more it was more common for guys to do the entire the entire um, college yeah, four years. Yeah, the, the full four years and then come into the league. Um, so yeah, instrumental in getting him into the league early. Could it have gone differently if he had stayed an extra year? I guess we all never know. Yeah, I mean everything worked out, I suppose. And if you look at the draft also they talk a bit about that. Jordan wasn't a number one draft pick, but no, if wasn't. you go back and do that draft again, 
you wouldn't change anything. The the number one draft pick, I think it was Hakim. Yep. And I mean, ten times out of ten, you'll pick Hakim number one again. At that time, he was the person. He did did his four years in college, obviously, and he was just ready for the NBA as you know, if you compare him to Jordan. But at the end of the day, I think all the teams, if they look back, they wouldn't change anything because you know. I- I don't think at the time anyone would have anticipated the impact that Michael Jordan would have had on basketball on a global scale and for the game itself. So, I mean, yeah. in that in the 80s, late like mid to late 80s, the early 90s, um, the way it was played and what we see now is completely different. I mean, the game was a lot slower. Um, a, your, your game kind of revolved around your big men. So your, your duos yeah. or your tandems was generally a big, so a four or five and a guard, yeah. or most likely a point guard or a two guard. And yeah. your dominant guys at the time were your bigs because um, that's the way the game was played, was physical. You needed a, yeah. someone who can be down low and bruise and bash a bit and get to the rim. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a, a, a very sulky, smooth, sophisticated kind of player that's coming in and you know driving down the lane and weaving through yeah. players and making all these acrobatic finishes around the rim. Um, so yeah, yeah, with, with, yeah, with all things said, I think the, the, the draft goes exactly the same way. Um, yeah, but you, you just can't and you can't predict the, the the magnitude that's Michael Jordan. Yeah, and with that, you know, you mentioned um, the way the game was played at that time. I can't remember who exactly it was, but one of the guys that they interviewed uh, said that you know you got this kid coming out of North Carolina and he's six six. He's not. Yeah you know, while bolt or anything like he doesn't see him having that much of an impact. And then, you know, the rest is history. But in those first few years, when, when Jordan started playing with the Bulls, the dominant teams at the time, were obviously the Lakers and the Celtics, Celtics yeah. but they were both coming to the end of their, their run, basically, if you yep. think about it, because Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, they were coming to the end of their careers and it's difficult. I don't know if you'd say that Jordan ended their careers, but he was a key part in beating them Definitely. in certain playoffs or in their last playoff appearances or whatever the case is. I think the Celtics beat the Bulls once, but then the Bulls came back in, a yep. ne- in the next playoffs and actually beat um, Larry Bird Celtics. I think in the, the first playoffs that Jordan was part of, they, they just managed to get into the eighth spot, so the eighth seed. And the Celtics were the number one seed. And mm. in game, that was, I think that might have been the same, the same um, year that Jordan was injured. I think he had a navicular or cuboid fracture. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that series, uh, he, in game one, he scores like 40, between 40 and 50 and something similar in game two. Um, yeah. Two very close games. And then in game three, from Graham three onwards, the Celtics just completely closed them out. And the next time they meet um, is when he actually they, they beat the Celtics in the in the in the Eastern Conference. So yeah. maybe, like you say, both Magic and Bird at the time were towards the like the twilight end of their career. Yeah, beats them in their peak. Is it a different situation? I'm not sure, but yeah, probably instrumental in cementing that. It's the it's the shifting of the guard now. Yeah, and as you as they went through that, obviously they drafted Scotty Pippen, mm-hmm. they drafted Horace Grant, 
they signed uh, you know a couple of other guys and they had to form their team and build their team over a couple of seasons around Jordan. He also yeah. started with one coach mm-hmm. um, and then went through a, a phase, I think it was two years with one coach and then Phil Jackson took over. So there were a lot of things that had to first, you know, fall into place before they crossed that hurdle of actually winning the championship. But yeah. I think in the first championship, the Bulls win. They beat the Lakers in the finals, yeah? Yes, that's correct. So they take they take down Magic, and that's basically Magic's last season. Yeah. So they beat they beat yeah, like you said, they beat Magic Johnson. That I think that's also the end of Magic Johnson's era. Um, I think yeah. he retires not too long after that. But yeah, his first championship is is against the Lakers, which I think is is really good because um, at the time Magic and Bird were the the juggernauts in the NBA at the time. Um, it also made yeah. for good for good media and good entertainment. You know, um, Magic Johnson, the really flashy, flashy point guard, and yeah. you know, Bird played what because I'm a Boston Celtics fan, so Bird plays the very yeah. traditional structural, you know, team orientated basketball where you do the right thing all the time, basics, fundamentals. Yeah. I mean, he had a bit of razzle dazzle here and there, but nothing too flashy. He wasn't throwing no look passes like. Magic Johnson yeah. was so. I think at the time also it, it made for good for good coverage. But yeah, Michael yeah. Jordan comes in and that's the the change of the changeover. And I think someone actually says it. I'm not sure if it's uh, Isaiah Thomas, but one of the I think could have been one of the Pistons that said they needed after Magic and Bird they were shifting towards Michael. Mm-hmm. And the NBA is a business as we know. So yeah. Michael was the guy now they were going to put as the face of the NBA, and they needed you know, to put that at the forefront. So it was, like you say, a passing of the the God. Yeah. So um, it's, it's actually funny. In, in When they do that, the dream team shoot. Um, yeah. So you have Michael in the middle and then you have Bird and Johnson behind him. And yeah, I don't know if yeah. you remember, Max Johnson says, uh, yeah. you can't get cl- too close to Michael, you know. If you touch <laughs> Michael, it's a foul. So, I mean, it's yeah. funny, but it's, it's, it's true. It's... If if the league was going that way to kind of develop another superstar, you have to they have to protect yeah. the asset. And, and there's a lot of talk about that in the league where they say if the league tries to protect certain players because mm-hmm. it's in their best financial interest, but there's never like concrete proof. It's always just there, like you know it's happening, but you just can't. There's no evidence really or hard evidence. Hard evidence say. about it, yeah. I think David Stern did a fantastic job of doing that and. <laughs> Adam Silva is carrying on in his legacy. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a good product that they put out. So they are doing quite a, quite a lot, right? But speaking of the Dream Team, I think, with well, the Dream Team, I don't think they covered too much about it. Just basically, um, I think the highlight of the Dream Team content was the scrimmage. Yeah, the practices. Magic, Magic took his team up against MJ. Yeah. And, you know, those were obviously quite legendary. But I mean, before that, we have to go to to the the Detroit Pistons. Oh, your favorite because I think that's yeah, of course. I think that's the the whole turning point for for the Jordan story. Because if you look at mm-hmm. it, right? I mean, I didn't watch basketball until uh, twenty ten, maybe when I started really uh, getting into it. So the Miami Heat and D Wade. Yeah, D Wade. 
just to emphasize, not yeah. LeBron. It was Heat and D Wade. Was Shaq. LeBron was just a byproduct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just came came along. I was lucky. <laughs> um, you know, it's like Lakers, Lakers fans. That's now, how the Lakers fans feel now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lakers right fans, place, right I've, had, I've had hardcore Lakers fans just pumping LeBron James saying, listen, if he, get, if he wins it this year, he's, he goes into the conversation, you know, but he first needs to win it this year and then he can enter that conversation of being, of being thing, man, on like, that level. Back in the day, you, you wouldn't have, have it like that, man. You couldn't mm-hmm. have won with the Heat and then go win with Cleveland and then be taken as a Laker, you know? It just wouldn't happen. Uh, I think that it's yeah, it changed quite a bit. And when you look at the the Pistons, obviously they were the team that filled the gap between the Lakers and Celtics winning all the time. Yeah. And the the Bulls dynasty, who had the Pistons winning their their back to back championships. Yep. And they did it in a way that obviously wasn't too appealing to the fans no. outside of Detroit. Um, and I mean, as a product, the NBA wasn't doing too well with a team that were physically just abusing people. Like you say, you couldn't go down the lane. Mm-mm. If you were going to go through, someone was going to tackle you. Yeah. And you, you're you give have a foul, you give a... A hard foul. A proper, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, not, not there's no and one. contact. Yeah, yeah. no <laughs> and one plays. You're going to earn your free throw at that line after taking yeah. after being smacked hard, properly. Yeah. Um, but I but think yeah. uh, it's it's like you said earlier with the way that Jordan wanted to win his intensity and his his way as a teammate. I think you you apply the same lens to the way the Pistons played. They yeah. identified a method that worked for them. Yeah. And obviously they didn't have the the raw natural talent I suppose that some of the other players had. But they obviously had Isaiah Thomas, who I've become a, a huge fan of. Uh, while watching this and actually going back to look at his game. Not, he's not a bad player, but he, he, he gets no, a bad rap for being a, part of that team. Yeah, of course. But I mean, if you look at his resume, his stat sheet is yeah. amazing. He has Proper. multiple All-Stars. He's won two championships. He's, but he's got still, tons and tons of awards. Have you ever heard anyone bring up Isaiah Thomas in the PG talks? Like, if you had an all-time point guard, have you ever heard anyone bring Isaiah Thomas up? Not, uh, besides not particularly. You. Besides yeah, you. Yeah, besides me. But, I mean, Jordan said it himself in the documentary that Isaiah is one of the best point guards to ever play. True. But who else Who else um, was there? Obviously, with point guards, you're talking about Magic. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Stockton. Um, yep. And he's, I wouldn't say he's up there in the top, but he's, he's close. He's, I mean, top five maybe, um, unless I'm missing a few players. Top five all time? Know, he, Probably. Oh, I think that's push. For me, that's pushing. I don't know. Um, I think Steve Nash has to be in that conversation. Yeah. Um, obviously, Magic. Uh, Stockton, because... Uh, is Stockton as good because of Stockton to Malone? Is Stockton as good if there wasn't a Malone for him? I don't know. Um, but he has to be in yeah. there as well. Um, you're probably not going to agree with me about Rondo. And for modern day point guards, <laughs> Rondo... What? Okay, we can agree <laughs> to disagree on that, but Rondo has to no, be in I think, that conversation I think just, as just, well. It's a point that, that we'll come back to later, but for me, like if you're going to be great, you have to be consistent. And when you look at but, Isaiah, he mm-hmm. did it every season. He's, 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 if you look at his record, I mean, back-to-back, he made first-team All-NBA tons of times. He made multiple All-Star games. Um, 
Whereas I think Rondo had a peak for a couple of seasons at the Celtics. And yep. you know, I'm not saying he's he's not good, but he didn't. It wasn't. There was no longevity behind it. Mm-hmm. So that 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 for me is the biggest knock. It takes him. On. It takes him out for you. Yeah. Okay. So so with that, I think the Pistons obviously they the way they played the game. I'm not sure if any other team would have been able to push Michael Jordan as far as the Pistons did. I mean, they've literally beat him up yeah. to the point where he had to find a way to to obviously um, overcome that. Overcome that, yeah. You know, and, and, yeah, he changed his, his, his approach. Exactly. If that doesn't happen, does he hit the gym that one offseason and yeah. bulk up? Without bulking up, can he do what he did? For, for can he do what he did for like I mean we we know now I was having this conversation as well. If you look at um, modern day technology and what we know now about training and load management and proper conditioning, proper off seasons, those yeah. type of things. If you put his raw talent with modern day training, what do you get? Like a freak? Yeah. You get a freak athlete? I don't know. But um, yeah, you get a maybe a cross between LeBron and Giannis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably right with Zach Levine bounce, you know, or Aaron Gordon type bounce, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Pistons definitely, like you said, he needed to find something because I mean, it's not like he wasn't scoring; he was scoring, but he just yeah. couldn't overcome the physical nature of the Pistons because of the way they played yeah. and their approach to the game. And yeah, bulking up, getting strong in off-season, like some people have been trying to do for their whole life. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was, that was, that was, you could see, you could see also see the change in his, in his play after that playing. Yeah. He played in the low block, but, all fadeaway type movements, whereas now he was really going at people, which was good to see. Finishing around. And he had to expand his his shot. So Mm -hmm. I mean he started shooting more threes. Um because like you say, there's no way you're gonna come into the paint all the time and boss it. So you need to be able to have an outside shot and and you know maybe start spreading the floor a little bit. Yeah. And also start trusting your teammates, which he started doing more more and more obviously as uh, his career progressed. So Pistons, very important part of the journey, I think. And now, coming to the Dream Team, mm-hmm. there's a couple of interesting points there. Firstly, the head coach of the Dream Team Chuck Daly. was the head coach of the Pistons, Chuck Daly. Right? So, no matter what Jordan obviously said that he does, he respects the Pistons and they were the team at the time that they had to, to beat to, to kind of, you know, cement their place at the top. And the whole thing with Isaiah being snubbed I don't think that we'll ever get to the bottom of it, but it's weird that a guy with that type of resume doesn't make the team. Now, I yeah. know obviously that Magic would be your starting point guard. That team was stacked. And maybe Isaiah wasn't the type of guy you could bring off the bench. Who knows? But the fact that the head coach was Isaiah's head coach, head coach essentially, at, at the it Pistons, shows that yeah. it, for me, it means that Jordan didn't snub him. Jordan didn't say, that I don't want Isaiah. Do you so? Do you think it's something bigger than that? Yeah, I, I think it's probably a combination between the head coach, the I think I don't know what the right title is, the president of basketball or whatever the, the title is of that guy, um, who makes all the calls basically. Yeah. I don't know who decides who decides, but 
there must be a reason why so if you think about, picked, so other if, than his skill other than his skill so before that so the dream team is obviously the first time they allowed fully professional players into the olympics before that it was always yeah. students that would go and compete so yeah. and um, i think isaiah went as a student yeah he did yeah. michael also went as a student as well um yeah. But if you think about it from a business point of view, right, this was maybe they weren't thinking about it back then. Um, but from a business point of view, you want to put your guys that are most marketable on that international stage because they use Barcelona yeah. in 92 as like the birth of international basketball, not the birth of yeah. international basketball, but where global recognition for the NBA started. Yeah. I mean, they they yeah. didn't they didn't think that Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird would be known in different parts of the world. I mean, you would teams yeah. would play them, get smacked by fifty, and then take a photo with them <laughs> so that they can take it back home to say that look who I played against, look who look who yeah. beat me. You know what I mean? So, yeah. do you do you want to take the guys that are most friendly to? Your, your overall business project that you that you may be pushing or your agenda that you're pushing. I mean, Stockton to Malone at the time, great marketing. Magic Johnson yeah. coming out of retirement, great marketing. Larry Bird speaks for itself. Yeah. And then if you have to add in the, 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 add, the, the actual coaching aspect of it, you can't have Magic, Isaiah Thomas, and John Stockton on the same team. Exactly, exactly. You needed Christian Leitner. <laughs> <laughs> you need someone needed to be Christian Leitner, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So no, I think that that's probably the real thing is that you add your starting point guard, and then you add your backup. So where yeah. do you put the guy? Then he's not gonna if he needs a ball in his hand, and if he if he doesn't have the ball in his hand, he probably doesn't have a role to play because Magic's gonna be use you know a lot of the positions. You're gonna have to give the ball to Jordan. You're gonna have to give the ball to Bird. Yeah. Back in the day, or back in in '92, obviously, guys like Patrick Ewing they needed touches. Yep. And, you know, it's not just like now with a big guy, the five goes in, grabs nope. a rebound, pushes it, it out, out, and that's his job. No, those guys needed touches around them. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there was a lot of Chuck. Chuck needed the ball. <laughs> Chuck was quite. Uh, <laughs> Chuck was lethal. Chuck was good, man. No, he's, he was. He was, he was entertaining. A, he's he's the the epitome or the definition of an undersized big man, strong as yeah. an ox probably, but undersized. But played well. Yeah, he was he was unlucky a few times. I mean, he he said it even in the doc that he played his best. I mean, he couldn't have done anything better, and he still lost. And he still lost. He's like, yeah. it's just is what it is. What what do you do? Do more. So and, yeah, and I think he dropped fifty. Yep. And they still they still, still lost. lost. I mean, you know, only other guy who can do that is James Arden. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but James Arden is going to score fifty and put up eighty shots probably. That's the that's the big yeah. difference, uh, efficiency. Um, but on that on that note, um, that's 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 probably the tone for for that Michael Jordan era. Eh? No one. Yeah. No one else was successful. No one else got a got a seat at the table at that time. It was Yeah. While while it was his time, it was his time and no one else's. Whereas now it's a bit of yeah. a, a up and down, a back and forth, yeah, and there, yeah, and there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think with that, obviously the, the dream team was an amazing experience and that's, I think winning just became contagious. I mean, after the first championship, the gold medal, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, I'm equal to bird and magic and these guys, but how do I become better? And that's why that three peat was, was such a big thing because everyone else had did it two in a row. Yeah. No one had done the three. Exactly. What you wanted to do to be different, to stand out, is win three in a row. Yeah. And that that drive obviously was was unmatched. That's what pushed him. And I think he says he was ready to retire after the second championship. Yep. The only reason he stayed on was to 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 be better than those guys to say that, you know, they've done it back to back. I'm gonna do it three peat. And yeah. yeah. So so with the three peat, I mean obviously that's a phenomenal achievement. And to do it with a similar group of players every year, I mean, there's very little change from, you know, from, from the starting one. lineup, especially because you had, it was basically Jordan, Pippen, Grant, mm-hmm. um, and they were supported by guys, you know, that, that um, would come Jay in Armstrong, and out. Armstrong, yeah. Um, who else was there? Kukoc, he came a bit later. Tony um, Kukoc came Paxson. after came after the the the, the Barcelona. After the Olympics, yeah. After the Olympics. And I think that they say one of the biggest the, the biggest shift that, you know, it was a trade where the Bulls traded Charles Oakley. Yes. For, I can't remember who they got in return, but the guy they got in return basically played next to Grant mm-hmm. and he just grabbed rebounds and that's all. And that, that was his job. But that was, that was a shift. Um, I can't get to his name now. I'll have to check. But that was the big shift for, for the Bulls. And the tough part there, obviously, was that Oakley was um, one of Jordan's close... Um, it's not Mike, not Mike Longley, eh? No, Luke Longley. Luke, Luke Longley, Longley was in the, the second yeah, three-peat. The second three-peat, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's difficult to trade away the guy who's basically looking after you. Mm-hmm. You know, your vet. Your, your enforcer. But that was the right move to make. Exactly. That, the right move to make for the team. Quite interesting, and and the guy obviously was calling all the shots, Jerry Krause. Um, we'll have to come back to him a bit later, but um, that was obviously a good move from the management, and they they surrounded Jordan with the right players, who you know who could support him. Um, yeah, so going going into that into that um, that Olympics as well, they, they there's yeah. a big focus on on Pippen and Jordan. Defending Tony Kukoc when um, yeah. they played for Yugoslavia. That's before they. That's before the the breakup of the split, um, yeah. the Soviet Union, and um, yeah, he was actually. I think the thing was he was also coming in on a bigger contract than than Scottie Pippen at the time because obviously Scottie Pippen, well, both Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were underpaid notoriously until their final, yeah. their last two years, I think. I don't know, I think Jordan ended up getting his pay sooner than Scottie. Yeah. But I think, the, you know, I will just, just go through that now quickly. The thing is, Pippen chose to be underpaid. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he took he the safety He made the choice there. to take the long, safe route. Yeah, he did. And you can't knock a guy for that. Look, I understand, you know, you go back in and <laughs> negotiate a raise, but that's just not how things were done. No. I mean, in basketball, you you sign your deal, and that's your deal. Steph Curry was underpaid. Um, he signed out a four-year, forty-four mil deal, which was massively under, under his value. But 
he was injured a lot and and that was the chance everyone took so he took the four year deal for the safety because he wasn't sure how long he would play, be yeah you know consistently and you know i think it's different nowadays players because of the like you said the the advances in technology and healthcare and so on they more willing to take a bet of one year contract on themselves whereas i mean if you they show clearly where scottick pippen comes from his background and if you have that you know you have to worry about your family and all that if you're going to get a seven year deal you take it, it 18 mil or something you take six, it it's I safety, think it was 6 years over 18 years yeah 6 mil 6 yeah. years 18 million yeah and that is not working for you <laughs> not 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 at the moment <laughs> Um, so, I think uh, they actually say at the end of his career, Pippen made more money than Jordan. Yeah, I think it's basketball. after the trade. After the trade to Portland Trailblazers, he he started getting paid a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that was the the Pippen thing, and I just checked now. It was Bill Cartwright that they traded uh, for. And I've actually Bill met Bill Cartwright. Oh really? Yeah, he was uh, my. At Borders, yeah, at Borders, he was my my post coach okay. for for Borders. Yeah. Voice voice was the same as what you hear now, <laughs> as in 2010, exactly the same. Yeah. He seems like a bit of a gentle giant. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. Yeah, so I think that obviously was one of the the big moves that the Bulls made, uh, and they found success. So, I mean, it's unparalleled, obviously, to win three in a row with uh, basically a rookie head coach. So it's a phenomenal achievement the way they've you know they found the way to win and I think what stands out from both runs is that no matter what Jordan had the ability to put the team on his back pull them through so like okay we need what we need 50 today got it we need 40 Easy. you just don't see that anymore we a guy in the finals knocks down 45 50 or whatever it's just you know he, he took the team on his back the closest we got to that was Kawhi Leonard in with the Toronto Raptors the 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 last yeah. championship i think the closest we had to someone carrying the team was Kawhi Leonard but at the same time you had guys like Fred VanVleet and Carl yeah. Lowry and Marcus Sall still being key yeah. contributors maybe a bit more than Michael Jordan and he's 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 group Yeah. Um but yeah, like you say, no one it's it's hard to find that and you don't find that anymore. Someone tells you today I'm giving you 50 and lo and behold you get 50. Yeah. So so with that I think we'll we'll just uh jump quickly from basketball to baseball. Mm. I don't want to dwell too long on the baseball thing because I don't know. I don't know well, much what's about your take baseball. On, okay, what's your <laughs> take on Jordan deciding to quit and go play baseball? So are you referring to the speculation around him having to to take a sabbatical from the league because you also find out that uh, the Bulls owner Reinsdorf yeah yeah he, he still pays his salary while he's playing baseball yeah. um I think there's also I mean to speculate that it had something to do with his gambling and his father passing away I think that is a lot of yeah. sensationalism in media yeah but for him to say at the end of his second year that he was ready ready to retire and then to go yeah. finish the third year and then leave maybe it was something that he just wanted to do and i mean we know that generally when you when you were a kid your your 
your, your best rugby player is probably your best soccer player and also your best water polo player. So maybe you felt like you could be arguably yeah. the best basketball player. You could easily go and be a major league baseball player, yeah. which it wasn't. Um, yeah. But well, look the the facts. The facts essentially are that he his father was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, if you look at everything, there's no link. The reason is just pretty much random. It could have been anyone at any time. Um, and then he, the baseball thing was, he said that his father always wanted him to play baseball. Yeah. So he wanted to give it a go. But you can see, I mean, the the mental toll that it takes to win at those, at that intensity, you know, to win at all costs, you get spent. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're ready to quit after the second championship, you push through. After the third, you know, he was lying there on the floor in that iconic image. Yeah. Uh, just completely emotionally drained. And he's just done. Yeah. I mean. There's no motivation left for him. Yeah. The tank is empty. Mm-hmm. Now, going to play baseball, I think some people say he would have made it at least to an average level. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the best, but he would have made it because of his work ethic, right? Yeah. He didn't enjoy being he didn't enjoy sucking at something he he wanted to be good at everything he did and it's interesting because his coach or his manager at that time for baseball went on to win a couple of world series as a coach Terry Francona mm-hmm. for the Boston Red Sox and uh, he was a Cleveland Indians manager as well so he's like a, a famous uh, baseball manager so it's quite interesting that he actually spend some time with Jordan before he got his break as well. But the whole baseball thing, I think he just needed to always compete. Like you saw in the documentary, he was, he had a comp- competition problem. Yeah, not a gambling problem. problem. It's a competition <laughs> yeah. problem. It's a competition problem. So, you know, being involved in a high performance sport and an environment, I think he just needed it. But yeah, I don't think the baseball thing was any good. And it, it would have been interesting if he stayed on to play basketball because there's a lot of talk about do the Bulls win those two years where he doesn't play. And they don't. And they uh, obviously don't. And I think they still wouldn't have because of what he said. He said yeah, he was just done. It was he just done. He was done. So he wouldn't so, have been fully, fully committed, um, being able to do as much as, or being able to do what's required of him for them to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, what if they, they decide, you know, maybe if the players, some of the players move on. I know Aris Grant moved on in that space. Yeah, he went to What magic. would have stopped Pippen from moving on if uh, if Jordan was still playing? Mm-hmm. Maybe Pippen decides, you know what, I've got three championships. I'm going to go do it in Portland or somewhere else. So, you know, that what if that came out of it? I, I don't think they'd win those two years. Maybe they'd win one of the two. Mm-hmm. But four in a row, I don't think they do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't even begin to imagine how hard four in a row must be. To have yeah. to come back at the start of your season or your preseason even, to have to get yourself geared up again to go through the same process and try and match that intensity or be better than what you were the last year after winning three yeah. in a row. I can imagine that must be basically impossible. It's never been done. So no. that's yeah, because a lot. there is a player that uh, there is a a couple of players that have tried. Um, they never won three in a row, but they they did go to eight <laughs> finals in a row. 
nicely popped in there. Yeah, just put that in there. Stip that I in actually there. planned that. I was waiting for my gap. I had okay. that ready. Well, well, well I'm executed. Sure eight finals in it. <laughs> well executed, eh? Yeah, but it, it is shows, eight. right? I mean, it is eight. He's been LeBron's been to eight finals in a row. You couldn't win all eight. It's just, I, I want to say impossible. I don't think it's impossible because you know someone will prove us wrong or yeah, you never Russell know. win eleven rings. Eleven. Yeah. So. I mean, how many of that must have been in a row? <laughs> I don't know. I actually wondered about that earlier. I just I was like, ah, Paul Russell. No one's going to win 11 again, so what's the point? No, never. Uh, so, I mean, it, it is taxing. But I think that's where uh, you get a little bit more respect for what LeBron is doing. He mm-hmm. didn't at any point quit. And you can say what you want to, right? You can say, I, I no. fully agree with the, the stand or the, the position that Jordan is the greatest. I've got no doubt there. But Jordan did quit. After winning three in a row, he essentially said, I'm done. I'm I don't done. feel like doing this anymore. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if, you, if you're tired, you're tired. I mean, we, we take leave. We take holidays. <laughs> and <laughs> he, just, he just decided to play baseball. In the modern day, I don't, think, I don't think it makes financial sense for someone like LeBron to say, I'm going to take two years off or I'll take two yeah. seasons off. Because most of his, because he's also he's also underpaid, he's also been underpaid yeah. for a while. But he makes most of his money off the court, through yeah. endorsements and his agency, and he's now an actor and you know Space Jam Two is at the same time making. At the same time, he, t- he take he took a season off for the Lakers. That was essentially a holiday. The first mm-hmm. season, there were no chance they were gonna make the playoffs. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna feel my way in here. Yeah, and I know I've been to the playoffs every year of my career almost, and I've been to eight finals in a row. So you know, this one season's actually gonna gonna help, and it did help because he came back in amazing shape. Yeah, he also had Anthony Davis as a running mate, but he still came in in great physical condition. I mean, he was doing things that no one's ever done in their 16th season. No, and I think when you when you look at that. When you look at the fact, besides the fact that he's played 16 seasons, because you obviously went straight from high school to the NBA. If you look at his draft class, so that's that's how I kind of make a comparison. You look at who was in his draft class with him, and you look at the 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 level at which those guys are at. I mean, one of my favorite players of all time is Carmelo Anthony. And yeah. Carmelo Anthony was out of the league for a season for a bit and then has now come back in as a role player in Portland. And yep. you look at his trajectory and LeBron's trajectory and what they're still able to do on the court, completely different. I think that just shows yeah. what a what a freak of nature LeBron is. Yeah, and I think Car- Carmelo is the only one left of his draft class. Uh, CP- CP3? Was, was he in the three? same draft class? No, 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 no. no. CP three wasn't in that one. So it's yeah, yeah. Cal Corver as well. Um, it's just the three of them: Corver, Melo, might... and and LeBron. Because Bosch retired. Be... Yeah. Wade retired. Um, Vince Carter was with was earlier than him, and uh-huh. he just retired now. So that draft class, a lot of guys have have retired. I think it's just the three of them that are left. And so, yeah, to think that he's still a perennial player in the league, like he's not 
He's not coming off the bench. He's still starting. He's starting at the point. Um, he's not putting up like Mickey Mouse numbers. I mean, he's... He's in the MVP conversation. Exactly. In his 16th year in the NBA. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that that was just quite interesting. And I don't think, if you look at the, the way it was portrayed in the documentary that Jordan retired, you could look at it, obviously, as, you know, that he actually just quit. He took a break. And I don't think they, they really focus on that too much. They go more on to, you know, he's gone to play baseball or whatever. Mm-hmm. And even the way he came back, they made it seem as if it was like just a by the way, you know, PJ took him to practice. Let's yeah. go play a little. And there was the lockout and things. Yeah, okay. You know, those things worked out. And I'm sure he didn't plan going back that way. But you get the feeling that he was, he was always going to come back in some form. Definitely. Which is probably why Reinsdorf continued to pay his salary. And I'm not too sure how it works, but when you retire, you have to negotiate some sort of uh, deal with the team. So the team still has to pay you out your contract or something. I think that's how it works when you retire. Oh. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I'm not too because sure. I mean, look at if we jump to NFL quickly, Tom Brady moved to the Buccaneers. Right? Yeah. So. Rob Gronkowski was retired. But he's and he decided now that he wants to play again. Yeah, he's, so he was he's also going of, to the Bucks. Of the eh? Patriots. He was traded because he still had a contract with the Patriots. So oh. even if you retire, you saw contract still runs, I think. Okay. In some way or the other. The other thing with Reinsdorf, which is interesting, is that he owns the Chicago White Sox as well. Yeah. So if he wasn't gonna pay Jordan to play basketball, he was paying he was to play, play baseball. Him. So either or he was going to be paying his salary. You know, so maybe the value is different and he paid him full market value, which is weird because he says he paid Jordan that because Jordan made a lot of people a lot of money. But then why didn't he take the same approach with Pippen? Hmm. You know, you could have gone into that Pippen is not as marketable, eh? As much as we'd like. I suppose so, but you can still go into that fourth year or fifth year and say, you know what? For the next two years, we'll give you a third year at a yeah. higher, at a higher rate. negotiate an extension. And if you look at players nowadays, I mean, Damien Lillard signed a Supermax extension the other day, well, the beginning of the season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Bradley Beal signed. And all these guys are signing extensions without having done much. Yeah, you think about it. But you, you, you rather have the extension or the Supermax because now players, players move around freely. Yeah. So... Do you want to risk the situation of another team probably coming in with a deal that is slightly better and pairing up in your same conference or your same division and probably kicking mm. you from your playoff spot? Or because I don't, because I mean, Bradley Beal, as good as he is, is he worth that max contact? I don't know. Yeah. In comparison to what other guys are getting, I don't know. I mean, Clay Thompson is not under max and he definitely yeah. deserves it, in my opinion. Um, but I think there you look at just, you know, it's just luck of the draw. Which team you're on, who you're playing with. I mean, if you're playing with Steve yeah, Curry, unfortunately, the, you're not going to get... You have to sacrifice, I suppose. Yeah. And, your, your cap space is limited, so... Yeah, that's just how it goes in basketball. So, yeah. So, I mean, okay. So, Jordan plays baseball. He comes back. They suck. And there's <laughs> that old debate about do they tank and go for the draft pick or do they make the playoffs like go for the playoffs and they go for the playoffs they go for the playoffs obviously yep. Jordan's not in the greatest shape no so 
they fall short, which I can't remember who beat them um, in that series. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, they he, he falls short there. And then, was it the Magic? Yes. The Magic were the only team to beat him. Yeah, it was with Harris Grant, eh? Yeah. 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 So, the Magic beat him. And, yeah, they were the only team to beat him. Uh, in the playoffs, I think, at that time, or in Jordan's run. In so yeah, in his in his run, he's well besides the besides his early round when yeah they yeah. were an eight seed and they lost to the Celtics as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, if you look at the, in the second the second round or the second three uh, championships, the, the, the beginning of the second yeah. of the second three beat. <laughs> the the big thing there is getting Rodman. Yeah. That's it. That's the game changer. Once they get Rodman, he does the dirty work, which they highlight. Um, you know, grab the rebounds, fight for the loose balls. He takes on the, the edge, you know. He's fighting with a big man, knocking Carl Malone to the ground, tripping him, giving the wing of <laughs> elbows and scratches here and there. Before that, um, Scotty Pippen goes through the... He gets injured and supposed to have surgery in his off-season, but he says, you know, it's tough that. I'm going to yeah. enjoy my off season and I'm going to get my surgery at the start of the new season. So I think in yeah. a way that actually, in a way that works out in their favor because Dennis Rodman gets the opportunity to kind of settle into his role into yeah, in the yeah. team. They, so instead of being yeah. the big three, they, it's like a, a tandem or a duo. And yeah. he's, he's the new enforcer. You know, he does all the dirty work and... Michael does all the, the flashy scoring and things like that. I mean, he scores here and there. And I think that, that in, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but that gives them, that gives Dennis Rodman the ability to become the player that we now know as the, the hardest working defender of all time that doesn't take a day yeah. off on the court. On the court. On, on the court. Yeah, on the court. He, he's he notorious. takes a few days off. Yeah. I mean, how do you miss practice to go wrestle with Hulk Hogan, man? But have you <laughs> have you, have you you read the stat, though? Have you seen the numbers on that? No. So because he missed the, the, media, the media day thing, he had to pay yeah. a $20,000 fine or a $2,000 fine, something like that. But he made 250 k for his appearance on... I was going to say. On wrestling. It's not a bad... I'm sure I Vince mean, McMahon or Al Hogan paid for it. I mean, it's not a big deal. Either do it. Not a big deal. They'll, and, I mean, fi- and didn't Carl Malone also went to go wrestle for a bit? Carl Malone so, also uh, had a stint, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, all, <laughs> that's what you do. But I not suppose. in the finals. Not in the finals. But not Definitely in the finals. Not finals. That's, that is unique. But yeah, I mean, that that's obviously the game changer, having Rodman uh, to do that work and... You mentioned Pippen not doing surgery in the off season. I've, I, I'm pretty sure Shaq did the same thing in one season. I think no. I think Shaq just came from his off season like out of shape. You know, like oh. he did. He not. He did not come back. So normally in your off season, you you work out, you get stronger, you get a bit more fitter. Yeah, but he was like, nah, I'm going on. He was like, stuff this. He came back <laughs> overweight, not conditioned. You know, walked into the gym with his slippers still on, kind of thing. I mean, we saw the yeah. way he was in the in that in NBA inside stuff, smoking his his hubbly. 
Yeah. So yeah, he's definitely a unique guy. So yeah, I um, think uh, so. Moving into into that second three pit, a lot of the things are similar to the first one, where the team pretty much has the same setup. You know, guys have their roles. Phil mm-hmm. Jackson obviously identified what needs to be done around Michael. Yeah. And who's going to do it? So Paxson did it in the first three. Paxson was going towards the end of his career. Steve Kerr came Steve in and Kirk just took that in. spot over. Um, Rodman replaced Grant essentially. And then the other guys, you know, just the role players. Tony Kukoc came off the bench. Luke Longley could eat threes. Yep. So they just surrounded him, obviously, with guys who could spread the floor. Great and role players. Open, could eat a shot. Great yeah, exactly. role players. Ron Harper was also quite underrated. Very good defender. Because yep. you'd of, often have to chase the primary ball handler on the other team. Which was which was a big, which is actually a big thing, eh? Because how often did Michael Jordan actually defend their best player? Yeah, I mean, it's just like you said earlier where the best player was often the four yeah. or the big man. Or the big man. And, you know, one of the wing players. So Jordan would take one of the wing guys, obviously. But if it's if you're playing the Jazz and it's John Stockton, Jordan wasn't going to defend John Stockton. He's not picking him that up. That was Ron no. Harper's job. Yeah. So He's definitely not defending you know, who, Carl Malone. Who's defending Malone? Exactly. Yeah. That's Rodman's job. So, you know, I think the matchups are also quite important. But Jordan did make multiple all-defensive teams. He did. Um, you know, so I think that's also where, where Jordan's brilliance and, and excellence is unparalleled, is that he won the MVP for the year. He won the All-Star MVP. He wins the Finals MVP. Like, if they he, win, uh, they wins he everything. wins everything. Yeah, he gets all, the, his first all-first team, all-NBA. Defensive you know, team, everything. Exactly. And like you said, that's where... What drove him to to play that hard against the Jazz was they gave Malone the MVP. So he took it personally. Like, exactly. <laughs> he took he takes a lot of things personally in that in that. In yeah, the, he also the... makes up stuff. <laughs> Man, I think it was, was T Mac who said in an interview today that that's the one thing that stood out for him, the way Jordan would reach deep into whatever abyss that he goes to, to find motivational things, man. Like he makes up stuff that someone said something. Yeah. Just to, just, just to, to motivate himself to, to, to get come him up going. And, and exactly, which is so weird. But I mean, that, that's what it took to, to win. So it was very interesting how he chose to, to motivate himself. Yeah. Like he said, it wasn't a knock that on Malone, Malone was a good player, but, not, he, he needed to show that, yeah, I'm that, the MVP. that I am better than him. It's not it's not a knock on him, exactly. but I need yeah. to prove that I am better than this guy. The same thing he did to poor Clyde Rexler. Yeah, Clyde the Glide. Like, they're saying Clyde's in my league, no chance. And he took Clyde apart, poor guy. But Clyde was also on the dream team. Yes, he was. Yeah. So they they, they they had like old uh, old guys versus like the old heads versus the new kids on the block yeah. kind of scrimmage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know Jordan found ways to motivate himself, and when you look at that that last season, there were a lot of ups and downs. Obviously, with Pippen not wanting to come in, asking for a trade, and, and all those types of things, and Jordan still they just found ways to win, and. I think that that's where, after watching it, that's where the greatness really shines, is that no matter what happens, they found a way to win. To win, He yeah. willed the team to win. I mean, a lot of close games, there they weren't 
maybe I'm mistaken, but I didn't see too many blowouts. No. So it's often down the stretch. Yep. It's down the stretch where Jordan takes over. There's a minute, there's two minutes where he just goes crazy. Either he scores or they double him and he sets up Kerr, Pippen, Paxson, whoever it is. So if you, so because obviously with, with, with this whole documentary now, in our basketball WhatsApp groups, these are the only conversations that are happening at the moment, right? So one, one, one of the guys who's a, an assistant coach for the team I play for, um, he said, don't watch Michael Jordan highlights. Because obviously the, 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 the debate is about who's better, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, yeah. Kobe, whatever he said. Don't, so when, when, when you come in with this, A, don't just pull random stats out of, out of anywhere because it's, you could easily say that Michael Jordan hasn't scored the most points in a Game 7 Finals. He's never played a Game 7 of an NBA Finals. They've won most of it in six, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't think he's ever played a Game 7. One. Was that the Finals or was that a semi? Was that a, a, a conference final? Uh, it could have been conference, yeah, right? I think it was a conference final, yeah. So they win, they've won their finals in six. So if you if you look at stats, that's that, that's something that the stats won't pick up on. Yeah. But if you actually watch games of him playing, you see that he has this ability to make momentum plays when it counts. So yeah. obviously the most famous one is stripping the ball and then um, scoring. Wait, getting a stop, then getting a steal and then scoring. And that's how they win their final championship. But I mean, yeah. Throughout his, his career, he, he would make a stop on one end and then make a big play and then be integral in another stop. And it's always momentum changing plays or where they say, you know, yeah. after at, once that happened, that was the beginning of the end. I think Reggie Miller makes a, yeah, Reggie Miller makes a out point. Out of the arena. Out of the entire arena. And the more you you don't watch like 20 minute highlights because i mean 20 minute highlights of michael jordan are great to watch i mean you everyone goes into their yard again and starts <laughs> practicing fade away turn around fadeaways you know um but when you watch when you actually watch games and you you're watching the score you see what's happening um you think for his team to win and nine times out of ten he's been successful yeah yeah, I mean that, that's just the, the greatness that of Michael Jordan. He was yeah. he was amazing at picking his spots and and you know willing the team over the line. Yeah, and obviously you know that's the comparison that people give. You know, it's Kobe, it's LeBron, and I I don't know maybe Kobe did it. Um, in certain times he was clutch. Yeah, he was. Nothing comes close to what Jordan did. Besides the, the besides the eighty one points that Kobe had in yeah. the game, I mean, besides that, <laughs> you pull your nose up to eighty one points in an yeah. NBA game. I think they say the stat Jordan averages over thirty points per game in the in the playoffs. Yeah, and no one else averages more than thirty, or is it the finals? Uh, so in the in the elite. in the finals, he averages thirty. So if you look at again those comparison stats. Um, LeBron James averages more than Michael Jordan in everything besides scoring. Mm. Um, so assists, rebounds, steals, blocks, everything besides scoring. But then he's also considered, but he is also higher on the scoring list overall than what MJ is 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because he's played 16 seasons. MJ took a break after each set of three championships. Yeah, and he did three years of college. Yeah. So, so, so the numbers oh, can lie anyway, to you. Anyway, yeah, I think there's there's no debate, I think, and we might as well come to it right now. I don't think there is a debate for LeBron being better than Jordan in terms of, of being just, you know, the GOAT. And the reason I say that is because the way Jordan won, he just, you know, he, he never lost in the finals. He won six. Yeah, two, went to the finals six times, won six times, two, three beats. Yeah. I mean, if there's, if there's nothing else that says dominance like that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I mean, if you look at the LeBron era, there was the San Antonio Spurs um, yeah. had a go. Dirk Nowitzki, while Love as well, they got their championships with the Mavericks. Um, Jason Terry, Dirk Nowitzki. Um, yeah. Um, Spurs, Terry. And then obviously the Golden State Warriors, they had their, their dynasty set up. Um, so everyone kind of gets a seat at the table in the LeBron James era, whereas with Michael, yeah. no one. But I also think the, the level of competition was much higher in the in the 90s it was just more great teams and more great players than than now you think yeah definitely oh i don't know if i can maybe it's just uh maybe it's just because i like the old school way of playing i i still i i prefer watching that's why i I also prefer watching playoff basketball because the way the game is played it's played more position by position Whereas yeah. in the regular season, it's a very transition-orientated, isolation-style basketball where it's one-on-one. Um, the NBA is also geared with their rules to uh, yeah. to make it one-on-one. You know, defensive three seconds and switching of your man, yeah. etc. And those things changed. And those things Jordan. have, yeah, those things have have changed. Mm. Um, so, but I don't know if I agree with you that there were better teams, eh? Uh, I suppose I'd, because the 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 way they played was different. So, I mean, you can't picture the teams in the last 10 to 15 years being able to play that style of basketball. No. Because obviously things change. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't see those teams being able to do what these guys can do now. Definitely not. Like the, so the way guys are moving. Yeah. The way guys are moving. And I mean, there's always the argument to say that, you know, guys back then were way more athletic with less technology and assistance and a physio and a personal trainer and a bio yeah. and a nutritionist and this and that and this and that. Um, but I don't know. I don't think, I think the, 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 the speed and the intensity of, maybe not the intensity, but the pace of the game has moved to make it more attractive, to make it more entertaining. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely think there are better teams now. Okay, so we'll we'll go into the couple of things now after like with all said and done. Um, I have a question for you with the the LeBron Jordan thing. Yeah. Okay. So obviously I brought it up earlier where LeBron's played his eight finals back to back, and Jordan obviously took a break after his uh, first three championships, and then took another break after the second for whatever you know obvious reasons the team broke up or whatever the case is, but. What if LeBron, after the first three finals or first four finals, said, you know what, I think I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to go chill in the Bahamas for a year yeah. and uh, and then come back. 
It could be different. What do you think? Jeez. Tough question, huh? Um, I don't know. To be, to be honest with you, that, that Kevin Durant, Golden State Warriors team, it's a tough team to beat, man. That's a, yeah. I think you could take two years in the Bahamas and not come back and be able to beat them. <laughs> I hate to admit it because I don't, I, don't like, I don't like the brand of basketball that Golden State yeah. Warriors play. I think what they, the way the game has moved, I don't, I don't enjoy it. And I like what Kawhi yeah. Leonard has done with bringing back the mid-range game to a certain extent. But I don't know. I think, I think no. I think no. You see, because like if you look at it, when he left the Heat to go back to Cleveland, yeah. What if he left the Heat and just you know took that time off? You don't know how other dominoes would fall. Do you know what I mean? Does D Wade still go to Chicago if yeah. LeBron says he's not going to play for a year? You know, does do the Heat still do what they do? Do other teams make the same moves? Because everything not, was dependent eh? upon you know what one team did. There's that old domino effect where, like with Houston, they set themselves up to beat the Warriors, but they just can't. Listen, that that's a very sensitive topic as well. That Houston falling <laughs> short is CP3's groin, or was it his hamstring? Hamstring. Three one, and then CP3's hammy went. I mean, yeah, he did the same thing with the Clippers, unfortunately. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's a different kind because I don't I don't like the Golden State Warriors at all. I'm happy that Kevin yeah. Durant has left Golden State, so I can wear my OKC KD vest again. Um, <laughs> but. I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying that it's a domino effect because people will people people will say that no matter what the the East at the time went through LeBron James. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. Nick, not Nick Nurse, who was the the coach of Toronto Raptors. Um, uh, Dwayne Casey. Yeah, Dwayne Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year, had the best record yeah. for Toronto Raptors. <laughs> But again, fell short to LeBron James yeah. and the Cavs, and they sacked him. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just how, I, I suppose to a certain extent, that's how dominant LeBron is. But yeah. at that final moment, it's just not enough. I mean, another unfortunate incident, I suppose, is the J.R. Smith dribbling the ball out where he could have just made a layup, and then that's yeah. the series tied at 1-1. But I think you you touched on an interesting point because there's actually a common thread here. The Bulls don't win until Phil Jackson takes over. Yeah, true. And true. he took over from Doug Collins. That's the guy. Collins went that's to the, the 76ers, guy. right? He was a. Yes, I'm that's sure he coached AI. He's the guy who cho- he's the guy who chewed his bubblegum to powder. I think they mentioned yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, they mentioned that in the so, doc. Yeah. So that's one. Um, the Bulls don't win until Jackson takes over. Mm-hmm. New coach. You said Dwayne Casey had to leave. Nick Nurse comes in. They win the next year. But maybe it's because Nick Nurse, maybe LeBron left. There's a multiple. I mean, they, they have Kawhi. There's they have, a lot of things. They right? have Kawhi. They have Kawhi. That's the, that's the difference. But it, it's the same thing with Golden State. They, they win the most games. They have the best record ever. They lose in the playoffs. Mark Jackson gets the boot. He meant Steve Kerr essentially swap roles. Yeah. You know, Steve Kerr passes the mic to him. He passes the the play coach's playbook on to to Steve Kerr, and that's Steve it. Steve Kerr takes the team to multiple championships. But so their first championship, they had Harrison Barnes, Steph, Clay, Draymond. Draymond, um, yeah. They didn't have Iguodala at the time. No. 
Um, what was the um, not Zaza Iggy, Pachulia? Iggy was traded. Yeah, what's on, the uh, what's the Aussie? Bogut. Yeah, the Aussie. Igodala got traded to Golden State in the 2012 season. Yeah, he actually got traded in the middle of of an Olympic game. Was it an Olympic game or then, just an NBA yeah, game? They announced they announced at halftime. Yeah, he's been traded. Olympic game that Igodala was traded from Philly to. To the audience, the sign-in trade. I think it was a sign-in trade. But I mean, you you can't underestimate the brilliance that is Phil Jackson, eh? I mean, I've read read his book, 11 Rings. So he's won six with the Chicago Bulls and five with the Lakers. Um, And he has this zen, masterful approach to coaching. Look, if if we can take the Knicks tenure out of, of his coaching resume... Yeah. Then I'd be a massive Phil Jackson fan. But unfortunately for me, I just see that guy, the one who went to war with Carmelo for whatever reason. And, you know, he's like, okay, I coached Jordan. I coached Kobe. We won. I coached Shaq. Yeah. So now I'm going to coach Melo the same way. No. <laughs> Melo's new generation. But me, not- yeah, I was just about to say, Melo's also not the same, you know, the same caliber of player. Um but also, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's that domino effect that where you need so many different, different pieces to come together at the same time. I mean, look at, look at, look at um, Toronto Raptors. So do Toronto Raptors still win if Dwayne Casey stays and they get Kawhi Leonard? Who knows? But they get, they get Kawhi Leonard after Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard refused to play for whatever reason with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, yeah. He refuses to play, so they trade him. They trade him outside of the country, literally. They they send him to Canada. Um, yeah. They trade him. They get a new coach, a rookie coach, um, and they go in and win it. First time a rookie coach wins the NBA championship. I just remember another one. Now, are you sure? Because Tai Lu won it. He wasn't a Remember, they lost the first year that they came. That LeBron went back to the Cavs. They didn't win the very, the very same yeah, year. Yeah, but what, Ty Lue, he took over. I'm sure he took. He, Blatt was the coach when they lost. Ty Lue was yeah. the coach when they won. Was he a rookie coach? I think so. We can check that. Anyway, I just remember that now. Yeah, Ty Lue also won. You remember doors, but with the Toronto thing also, do they win without Marcus Sol? You know, there's all those white Yeah, there's all those. That was all a big those, trade. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know? Anyway, so coming back to, to MJ, who do you think, like obviously now there's the comparisons between him and Kobe, but I'm going to leave Kobe out. Um, obviously, there's a comparison with him and, and LeBron, but who do you think of the current players is similar to, to MJ? Just style of play. I mean, Kawhi not as great it. because no one is. You say Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. Mid-range game, post-game, way he attacks the, the way he attacks the um, the rim, um, and he can he, he plays inside, outside, outside, inside. He's not a very three-point orientated player. Uh, he yeah. can shoot the three, but I mean, mid-range game, low post game, yeah, Kawhi Leonard definitely. I feel like it's KD. KD. No, nah, I don't think so. I just the the, the reason I, I think KD is because I always feel like when KD is on the court, if you need to win, he'll score sixty, he'll score fifty, he'll do whatever, he'll 
get stops on the other end also. I just feel like he can he can take a game and, and carry a team when he feels like. Yeah, you're not going to see it with Golden State. But yeah. even he did score. He did score. with Golden State, but you saw it with OKC. And, well, I suppose we're going to have to wait and see if he does it with Brooklyn. With, with the Nets, yeah. But, I mean, in, in, that, same, in that same note, eh, I mean, KD is more offensive-minded than what he is defensive, I think, personally. Mm. Um, he doesn't pride himself as much on defense, whereas... Kawhi Leonard notoriously was a lockdown defender who, has, yeah. who is now who also now has the ability to score. So I think if, you, if I look at his like his offensive repertoire, it's very mimics MJ quite a bit. Whereas KD is a bit more yeah. probably also because it's a modern era. He's a bit more yeah. three point line orientated. You know, a dribble easy, dribble easy mm. pull up, and at seven foot, no one's contesting a pull up. Yeah, on you. But I just think like if if the game's on the line, yeah, okay, Kawhi, Kawhi's proved it. I mean, I don't, I can't argue with you there. But I don't know. I just feel like I'd rather give the ball to KD, and so in in, the in, stretch. in in crunch time, you you got you know last basket, three to win. I think KD has it. Man. Are you take are you going with KD? Yeah, it's probably not a bad option with that length to be able to shoot over damn near anybody. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of it's like just just look at look at when he was injured, right? And he came back. The way he came back for that ten minutes or whatever, I was it shook. Was, it was amazing. Like yeah, that. That's part of the reason why, man. It's just like he's he knows his game, mm-hmm. and I think that obviously something that came out from from Michael Jordan is that Jordan knew what he can do, what his spots were, mm-hmm. which defender to target, and I think. Kawhi probably does that and maybe just doesn't, you know, come across that way because he's, you know, the quiet guy or fun guy or whatever yeah, he's called. Silent assassin. But like <laughs> KD just shows it, man. He's got that that killer, killer instinct. instinct. Yeah. No, he definitely you know, does. Just, I mean what does, don't they call him the slim reaper? Who KD? Yeah. I, I I've never heard that. I know his Instagram <laughs> handle is easy money sniper. Yeah. Oh, wait, the oh, slim reaper. Me. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard that, huh? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, is it's it? KD. Yeah. I don't know that. <laughs> Where have you been? The Slim Reaper. Well, you didn't I like... like it though, so it didn't catch on. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, a couple of other things before we, we, we call it. Um, just from that, that competitive intensity again, like for me currently, I'd say... CP3 has that intensity, that that competitive nature, and you know, he always finds a way to, you know, well, I want to say finds a way to win, but he sometimes falls short. But he just has that edge, man. He's never like chilling. He's never just taking it easy. I always feel like he plays the game with the edge. And yeah, he's the he's the least liked you, player in the league. Eh? I think he's one of the least liked well, players. He might be one of the least liked, but he's the most well respected because he's the president, president of, of the, the NBBPA. Players, exactly. So the players want him to represent them, but uh, as a teammate, which again, it's like Jordan might not be the most popular teammate. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually watched there was this thing on on Bleacher Report. I can't remember. It's an inter- interview series that they have, and they interview CP3. And he actually gets on really well with Shai Gilgis Alexander. 
Oh yeah. Which is strange because he's he's a he's a rookie. He's, he's a, a young, youngster. Young boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, he gets on with him because he just keeps pushing him. He makes fun of him pretty much the whole episode. Um, but sounds if, like MJ. Know, that's just his way, <laughs> exactly. But if you if you look at the gap, obviously Kobe's here and so on. Who do you think you could say which player had that type of intensity? Who brought it like that? Um, in between MJ and now, probably yeah, like you said, Kobe. Kobe's the only person that you. I mean, another person that you also hear of more recently is Jimmy Butler, who yeah, who, that's a guy, <laughs> that's <your> guy yeah. <laughs> who also also does stuff like that. I mean, also says outlandish things. Um, but I think it's probably Kobe, most recent, um, Jimmy Butler as well. And yeah. I think that's it, eh? I mean, you don't you don't find that you don't find that type of type of player in 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 the NBA anymore. At least from what I I can. Dirk, with Duncan, these guys were were more reserved. Yeah, introverted. Even Robinson for that type of players, yeah. Yeah, but I, there is one guy though, and I'm surprised you missed him. You haven't you you haven't watched his movie Who? on Netflix. What is this? KG. The big oh yeah, KG. Yeah, we spoke about that earlier. Actually, but, yeah, his intensity, his on court. But I think that's different, though. Right? I think that's his on court intensity versus his will to win and being able to pull his team type of thing. Like KG will come yeah. off the court with like scrapes on his knees and elbows, yeah. like every game, diving for every ball type of thing. Um, but yeah, the big ticket. Yeah, I haven't watched it. You're right. But that that. That's the thing, right? Nobody has the full package. So no. yeah, Kobe, Kobe had that that willingness to win and you'd scrap a bit, but I think KG was more aggressive than Kobe. Because yeah. he, he had Maybe to make up for it. Position, right? KG is a four, yeah. four, five big man, whereas Kobe wasn't. But you know, that intensity, no one brings it like KG brings it yeah. anymore. No one, definitely not. Like we said, we you just don't find that. You don't find that type of type of player, type of intensity in the NBA anymore. I mean, everyone is doing yeah. the the 3 a.m. or the 4 a.m. workout these days. I mean, that's like yeah. a niche thing to be doing. But I mean, what <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, the Rock always uh, posts pictures of his alarm going off at four, but yeah, four o five, not four four o five. Yeah, press the snooze probably. Yeah. But speaking of Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler actually is quite interesting. He has a, a story where he picked up his work ethic from Mark Wahlberg. Oh, He's really? Like, I, I've seen yeah, they, they, Mark, they, 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 they buddies on social media. Yeah. Because if Mark Wahlberg, who's so successful, still works that hard, Jimmy's like, I don't know why. I, I need to also work that hard then. It's yeah. an interesting story, I think. I can't remember which podcast he was on because, you know, everyone's on everyone's podcast nowadays. Um, What's your favorite podcast? It was VC, well, Balsamans. I listened to a lot of Balsamans. Yeah. And you don't like... I just um, like his mix. What's this guy's name? Um, skinny dude, that, where the, the ball fake... Oh, Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes, there we go. Nah. He's not bad, that. That's eh? cool... All the smoke. All the smoke, yeah. And no, no. Yeah. What's this, Gilbert Arenas? No chill, Gil. He also. Yeah, he yeah also see, so a, there's a couple of those. I mean, I pick up a few of it, but I think I follow Paul Simmons and Vince Carter. I actually okay. like Vince Carter. 
JJ Redick has one, but I think I'm just biased because they all form part of the same network. So okay. all those podcasts are on the same networks, the Ringer, the Ringer podcast network. So I don't know. I just I think it was Butler and Redick because they were teammates at Philly. Yeah. So they had Jimmy on. Uh, he's quite interesting. So you know, JJ has never missed the playoffs in his entire career until the season. Well, <laughs> I mean, up until now. I mean, do we even count the season? Yeah, well, let's see. If they because he's at the Pals, eh? Yeah, they can make it though. Yeah, they can. Got a they decent have, team. They got a decent squad. So, any any last uh, thoughts on the MJ documentary? Um. Yeah. So when just before it came out, you know, MJ had that thing was he didn't really want to release all this material because he felt it would change the way people um, people look at him and the way they view him. But I don't think. Yeah, it was it was great to see all the footage. I mean, it was remastered brilliantly because you wouldn't think that you're watching a, a, a documentary from that was filmed in the eighties or the nineties until you look at those suits that they were in. Um, yeah. but, but other than that, I think it yeah, just the the like his ability to to night in and night out execute or do what he says he's going to do. I'm going to give you 40, yeah. I'm going to give you 50, I'm, I'll do what it takes. I think that was that was great to see. And then um, I think a, a big thing also, because I, because I still play a bit of basketball as well, was to, to see how definitive or how important the role players were in, yeah. in, in, in his success. And yeah, he's obviously going to get all the limelight, like he said, he's hogged all the... I mean, there was no Instagram, there's no Facebook back then. So he hogged all the newspapers, all the magazines. Um, so, yeah, I think that was that was great to see. Yeah, it also finally puts the, for, the debate to rest about the the goat. For now. For now. Until LeBron retires, I think it's very difficult to to look at their careers and compare it exactly. Because look, I, I still think, like I said earlier, LeBron's going to be the great, not LeBron. Michael Jordan's the greatest uh, of all time uh, just because of the way you, you went about winning. But I think there's a different conversation to be had once LeBron retires just to look at it. And again, to I listened to Magic Johnson earlier today and he summed it up for me pretty well where he said, for him, Jordan's the greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. But LeBron is the greatest all-around basketball player ever. Which is, yeah, which is wild. And put. there's a subtle difference to what he's saying because... Jordan couldn't do everything LeBron could do. Yeah. But LeBron didn't win like Jordan. And I think, yet, you know? or, or as, I mean, we, we speak like he's retired already. Um, but exactly. Like this guy's play another four years. I think that's, yeah, probably. Eh? Probably he could, he could start coming off the bench. I think he'll play until you know, his this lockdown, This lockdown is helping him big time. Because all that allows for him is to rest. He's, but he's just another year older though. Who cares if he's older? Have you seen how he trains? You yeah, see what he has at his house. Yeah, Last he year he spent a million US on recovery. He's got at a full cryo chamber. He's got a full kit there. Exactly. He's got everything. He's got a shower at our place. He's got a cryo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> also, on that on that debate that you were saying now, um, another thing to look at is also like the way that whoever you're trying to define has affected this sport. So. Besides the whole global domination of Michael Jordan and bringing the game 
to different parts of the world, whatever it may be. Yeah. You have to look at what they've done to affect change in the game. So yeah. um, I always get confused between Walt Chamberlain and Kareem. Who scored 101? Yeah. Walt Chamberlain, right? Walt. Yeah. yeah. So he, he brought about the change where they brought in the key and they brought in the three-second rule and all that. So he, yeah. he should definitely be in that discussion because he was that good that they had to enforce a rule to change the way that yeah. the game was played, right? Then you get Michael also with the, you know Max Johnson saying that you don't get too close to Michael. Every time you touch him, it's a foul. Yeah. So that's the changing of the way that um, the game was played with moving away from the Detroit Pistons style of basketball, big man dominant type thing. And then with LeBron, you you have a, a player who is bringing positionless positions on the court. You have one yeah. guy who can play the point guard, he can play the two, the three, the four, and the five. And that changes the way teams are now recruiting and scouting. Everyone that comes yeah. into the league, a 6'9", can shoot a three and can handle. So yeah. I think those are, those are definitely things that need to be considered when throwing around this discussions. But like you said, these at least put to rest. But yeah. those are some considerations. Yeah, definitely. And I think some of the, the other things, just as we, we wrap it up, I mean, obviously there's going to be some criticism that comes out and from from what I've been reading, Horace Grant obviously has come out and, and bashed it a bit, saying it's unfair how they portrayed him and Jordan Jordan doesn't have his facts straight. He's a snitch and all that type of thing, which <laughs> is interesting because, yeah, I mean, Jordan does give details out about what his teammates were doing back in the day. Yeah, but the, he doesn't the, drop any names. But I mean, co- it, I mean, you can go back and check the roster. Yeah, the cocaine, the cocaine circus. Yeah, and also blaming um, Aris Grant for leaking information. Yeah, to the media. But again, Aris Grant says he doesn't, so you'll never know. But uh, also, there's a lot of talk about Scotty Pippen not being in the media since the, the docuseries dropped because he's a bit disappointed about how he was portrayed. But again, until he makes a statement, we'll never know. Mm-hmm. But for okay. me, with all that being said, I think when it comes to Jordan, he speaks what's on his mind. You get you get access to his opinion and it's yeah. unfiltered. I don't think at any point he's saying something to to benefit or please anybody. He's just saying it as he saw it, yeah. which is ultimately what you want. So it's, it's quite a, a truthful, I would say, narrative from his perspective. But then obviously the way they edit the other people's interviews and, and comments and stuff, you don't get the full picture. No, you don't. But just specifically focusing on Michael Jordan, I think it was very transparent yeah, um, it gave, it gave great insight into to behind the behind the scenes thing, and it also helped that he always had his own glass of tequila brand next to him, probably <laughs> just to to get the to get the, the English flowing easier. Man, does he guys that guy just doesn't stop? I don't know yeah, how he does. does it. You see, that's also the difference. Like that's what they were doing back in the day. Now players don't do stuff like that. No, they don't. I mean, who, you know, who, the health. Who would be smoking a cigar before a game? That would be exactly be shunned. You'd be shunned. Exactly. Yeah, because like I said earlier, people are offended by default. Yeah, way too easily. <laughs> way too easily. Exactly. So I mean, look, the the series was well made, well produced, and I don't disagree with it being the greatest sports documentary, documentary. or docu series that I've seen. Um, 
I don't know if they'll be able to do it now with other players. But we'll see. I mean, there's talk now about other teams and uh, I don't know. You can't. The thing is now, one, this came out at a great time. Like, people are starved yeah. for content. Like, you, you're willing to watch yeah. anything right now. What? That's one. Two, it's a great story. It's a great narrative. It's been put together really well. It's not yeah. the... It's not like some random team that you... That no one really kind of followed, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the Chicago Bulls, like the original rock stars of the 90s. Um, everyone who's anyone knows who, they, who, who that is. And, I mean, even yeah. people that don't watch basketball can watch this documentary. I've had, like... Like completely random, not random people, but like friends or family or someone just messaged me saying, "Hey, have you are you watching that Last Dance documentary on Netflix?" And yeah. obviously, I am because I have invested interest in it. But I mean, a surgeon mid theater case asked me, "Are you are you busy watching this Michael Jordan documentary?" I was <laughs> like, "Of course I am." So I mean, yeah. I think that's that's something that only that era or Michael Jordan person, that Chicago Bulls team was able to do, like transcend yeah. sporting exactly. codes, generations, um, yeah. cultures, everything. That's why, I mean, you, you can't compare it. So yeah. apparently they're going to try and do something like that with, with Kobe. They've got footage. But I mean, the problem now is that the Jordan documentary has nothing to be compared to. But everything that follows will, will be, be com compared to that. Yeah, it will be the measuring stick. And I mean... I say this with I say this like the the emotional attachment to this Kobe documentary is going to be so great because I mean it's, yeah. it's I mean he passed away earlier this year and Lakers fan love that guy like the amount of the amount of negative criticism that came out when ESPN I think it was or SportsCenter put Kobe in number nine of their top ten all time great players yeah. I mean, you would swear that swear that the world was coming to an end. <laughs> um, the way it is um, but yeah. yeah well listen I think that that's a story for another day so yeah it was cool um, hopefully the NBA will come back and we'll have some sort of playoffs yeah. uh, to look forward to but uh, until then Steve it's been good thanks good catching up with you yeah it's keen to talk hoops anytime again yeah I'll definitely take you up on that offer we'll pick your brain again another time cool cheers <laughs>